0: the nature of the finance function the role of the finance function is changing instead of looking at the past relitigating the past reporting on the past the finance uh, function needs to be looking towards the future needs to be able to steer the organisation through uncertainty volatility and create a higher sense of order and, and clarity around choices now you can't do that if you're spending 80% of your time reporting or actually even worse Doing manual transactions with a high kind of quality control need. From
1: McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Bjornar Jensen, one of our guests today for a discussion on the digital transformation of the finance function and the implications for the changing role of the CFO. The finance function and the role of the CFO are changing rapidly as digitization and the pace of change increase, all in the face of continuing economic volatility. Two of our expert colleagues join us for this discussion on how CFOs can help build world class finance functions. Bjornar is a senior partner in our Zurich office, and he's joined by Liz Fasiana, a senior partner in our London office. Both Liz and Bjornor work extensively with CFOs around the world and specifically on digital transformation. We spoke recently at McKinsey's CFO Forum in London, and let's get into the conversation. So, first, I'd just like to welcome the two of you uh, to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
1: My pleasure. If we could just start off by um, just providing a little bit of context, right? Uh, when people think about the topic of digitizing the finance function, you know, you could think back to when VisiCalc started uh, versus you know spreadsheets that were kept by hand. To now, let's give our audience a little bit of a sense for the arc of of how the finance function has digitized over time. Liz, do you want to go first?
2: Well, sure. I mean, I've been doing uh, finance transformation type work for over twenty-five years because I was an accountant and I didn't want to do all those uh, all those accounting transactions <laughs> myself. So I was very uh, very interested in how I made them automated.
0: I think you you're pointing out something really important uh, here, Liz, which is the repetitive transactional work sure. needs to go away. Why? Because the nature of the finance function, the role of the finance function, is changing. Instead of looking at the past, relitigating the past, reporting on the past, the finance uh, function needs to be looking towards the future, it needs to be able to steer the organization through uncertainty, volatility, and create a higher sense of order and, and clarity around choices. Now, you can't do that if you're spending 80% of your time reporting, or actually, even worse, doing manual transactions with a high kind of quality control need. Because then you're really spending your time also with 137 spreadsheets that are going around the finance function, just trying to figure out which data set is actually correct, which version is correct. Instead you should be spending your time on advising the business, being partners to the business. But that's going to require you to take away all that work, which is why, I mean yes, Visical, (laughs) but in reality it started with the abacus. It's, It's about how you take technology in different forms. Create tooling mm-hmm. that allows you to improve the quality and reduce the manual workload. But now it's actually happening at the scale uh, and in a way that allows you to fundamentally change the role of finance.
1: and is it is it becoming more accessible? Like what are some of the ways that it's changed recently?
2: Well, I think it's, I guess you anchor it around some of the core technologies that we see in fi- in finance, which of course are ERPs, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of the transactional work. But we also have a lot of functional solutions, really high quality software as a service solutions that you can put around it for forecasting and planning. And some of these great things like Bjorner was just talking about, how do you better have predictive analytics? How do you better think about the future yeah. in a way that helps you to advise?
1: So. If you had to sort of look at the universe of companies and just take a a, a guess as to how many have actually digitized their finance function, where would you say the function is right now? Um, Are most you know sort of in early days in terms of what the potential could be to digitizing the function, or is this something that you know a lot of companies are actually quite advanced?
0: Depends on which metric you're looking at. I'd say. 100% 100% of finance departments are using various forms of digital tools that allow you to take away a lot of the manual labor, improve the quality, and, uh, and consolidate uh, the analysis better. Is it that potential? No, it's not. Um, we got various research on this. Uh, if you look just at automation rate, for instance, the ambition should be that 95% of these repetitive tasks just go away, they're taken care of by the system. In reality, it's probably about half that, maybe a bit less. So there's still a long way to go.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's taking advantage of service centers. You know, um, obviously, finance is using centralized functions to help do some of that work in a more common way. But as Björner said, you know, we're only halfway where we should be. So there's a lot more opportunity, and I think the good news is. As I said, the tools are getting better, and some of the technologies that really help you do the kind of predictive, future-looking analytics are are much easier to use. And um, I think it's where you're going to see a lot more of the investment going forward.
1: What are some of the barriers? You know, like, or or rather, what are some of the ways that companies are sort of moving closer to that ninety-five percent?
2: Well, I think the the barrier is setting up the right program with the right ambition okay. and having the alignment around where you're trying to go. So sure. I always start with ambition. And um, so having a plan that says, where where is the real value that I'm trying to achieve and really driving a program that is very focused around achieving that value and being able to measure it. We use KPIs. To sort of say, have we really moved the dial? There are people-based program, right? There's a lot of technology underneath, but you you have to bring your teams and your leadership along, and how you make that work through your own leadership is super critical.
0: And we're in a phase right now with this huge wave of investment going into digitizing the enterprise backbone. Sure. And uh, we talk a lot about uh, enterprise resource planning systems being being modernized. Uh, after 15 20 years of stasis in the market uh, there's a huge amount of activity and because these are the transactional backbones they touch on financing in all cases right does everybody make full use of that that's a big question and i'd say this is where we we'll come back to the potential being not fully realized a third to half of, uh, of companies really take this opportunity to rethink the role of finance. Okay, okay. And it's a capability question, ambition as you said Liz, and capability question before you get to the technology. So if you set the right ambition, if you if you redefine the role and you build the capabilities within the team that you require to to really make use of the technology, technology is a tool. It will do what you need it to do okay. and you have much more flexibility as you say, there are, there are Uh, various cloud-based systems around the traditional ERP core that make it possible to do an awful lot more now, faster, high degree of quality, low cost per transaction, if you wish. But not everybody's making full use of that. There's still a fair amount of let's just modernize and simplify and standardize a little bit what we're already doing and continue doing that. That, I think, is a missed opportunity. Right. So they're staying in sort of the current frame as opposed
1: to rethinking the realm of possibility. Who is typically driving this digitization? Is it the CFO or is it somebody else?
2: Well, I mean, I would say both in finance and frankly, more broadly in enterprise transformation, the CFO almost always plays a very big role. So I think it's a great opportunity for the CFOs especially to kind of show that leadership and show that, that this is something that um, a journey that we're going to commit to. But often there is an enterprise transformation leader or a finance leader working with the CFO who really kind of guides and drives the program Day to day, and to make sure that the benefits you really get the benefits that you're looking for. Yeah,
0: this kind of big enterprise transformation it's not only very expensive. I mean, we're talking in the ERP world alone about investments now for the uh, top 5,000 companies in the world of about $300 billion this decade. Wow. Um, it is a rare opportunity to really rethink. So if you miss the window now, yes, you can come back to an interview, yes, but the reality is you're baking in a number of assumptions about the role of finance and ways of working for at least the next decade. And uh, we just think that many can benefit from from being a bit bolder, setting that higher ambition that Liz talked about, and then ask harder questions also of the technology suppliers. Because you need to have a performance that goes beyond today that really fulfills the needs of tomorrow, where you get into questions such as what's the role of AI yeah. within that future role of finance. And by that I don't mean gen AI, I don't mean language models, I mean real predictive analytics uh, that require technology, to require a very robust set of data, uh, both internal and potentially also different types of external data that you're not using today to, to get the full impact integration with your suppliers and with the customers at a level that we haven't seen in many industries so far and governance and and ethics guidelines because this is hard and it's, it's unknown still. So I think this is thinking that needs to happen now if you're going to get the most out of that investment. And at the end of the day, The CFO holds the purse strings, and so I think it's fair for the CFO to hold themselves and their organizations to the same high standard they hold everybody else to. They should be (laughs) role models in,
2: in really
0: digitizing the enterprise. So now you're a CFO, you
1: really do want to sort of embark on this journey, but you've not driven a digital transformation. What are some of the key things that I need to do as a CFO to get that more expansive perspective, that viewpoint. Um, so in your work with clients, how do you get them to think outside the box?
2: I mean, I think we start with, Outside in examples, right? What do we see at other places? What has made others successful? We often bring them to go and sees where we actually sh- bring them to another client. We introduce them to other CFOs and CIOs. Um, you know, they they can tap into some of that expertise within their organization because they may have people that have come from other places where they've gone through the journey before. So it's really about kind of. Creating the art of the possible—that seems like something that it kind of fits with the aspiration that they have.
0: Yeah, and stimulating a, a dialogue which goes beyond the functional boundaries, because as you say, CEOs will have an agenda, boards will have an agenda. The CFO has a role to fill in that which is different from—it's a different partnership from from the typical past, more functional, transactional one. Bringing them together around, as they uh, as said go and see opportunities, getting inspiration, peer exchanges, it also helps them unlock uh, how to work better together in the future and what that requires. So you look at some examples and and one of the clients we'll we'll be talking about today, uh, a large automotive, you think about the complexity of the global automotive supply chain, you think about how many elements have to come together in terms of demand supply planning, margin management throughout that dealing with your as i said before suppliers and customers and and how finance can be the glue that pulls that, that that binds that all together for the business it is a different type of partnership and it's a true partnership and it's teamwork as opposed to individual silos acting on their own
1: what's the typical time frame for uh, for one of these digital transformation projects within the finance function
2: well, I mean, of course it does depend a bit, but um, I would say we would typically have an, have an ambition to show some outcomes within nine months, mm. um, but the transformation program may be a two-year program, right? Sure. So it's really important to kind of set that definition of what the roadmap should be for them based on where they are and really what is going to bring the most value the fastest.
1: As we think about what the necessary architecture is to make this work, How does a CFO sort of think about what their current state of affairs is relative to where they want to go? In other words, what what kind of architectures or technologies are they typically bringing in to help facilitate that transition to a more digitized finance function?
2: Well, I mean, I think there's kind of three primary layers. The core technologies, as, as Bjorner talked about, your core the ERP, yeah. that is your transactional system. Then you're going to have sort of that, that is the data source for a lot of what you're using in finance, but not all, because of course you use a lot of external data as well in finance. Mm-hmm. And then you have kind of reporting layers that sit in the middle, and then you have these analytics tools, so uh, like third-party SaaS solutions. So you're really thinking about all that at once and you're also starting with where is my pain and where am I going to get the most value to really determine where to start. I think Bjorner said earlier about not just thinking from a functional perspective, just purely finance, but um, as we think about, uh, for example, in insurance, how to bring together finance, risk, actuarial, and tax. And think about all the data sourcing that's common and making sure that you're not having all those functions work independently is a huge opportunity. There's a lot of non-value-added activities around reconciliations and work like that. Mm -hmm. So it's super important to really try to broaden the view from the beginning because it really will help you set a broader ambition.
0: And when you say architecture, I wouldn't restrict that to technical architecture. It's all about the capabilities and and the ways of working. I I do a lot of work in the chemical industry, for instance. It's fair to say that the European chemicals industry had a bit of a rude awakening last year with the the disruption, the the volatility. And one thing you realize is, I mentioned earlier the 137 spreadsheets. That's, That's not a joke. It's literally true that everybody's trying to do the best thing they can, but then they improvise. And they improvise using slightly different versions of the of the data, slightly different data sources, and what many clients found last year was at the time when they really had to add everything at the fingertips, the analysis was distorted or a bit lagged, bit bit inconsistent, right. and it just cost precious days, weeks uh, to to get that clarity of view, and particularly the forward-looking view, sure. dealing with different scenarios. So. You mentioned data. I think it's absolutely essential to have a single source of data Mm -hmm. as part of of your ambition here, part of your your target state. But then also to have the capabilities to work with that data in a consistent way. So have an analytics environment, as Liz said, where people can be working in a consistent way, reuse each other's solutions and connect those pieces of analysis together into something that's truly holistic and forward-looking rather Mm -hmm. than backward-looking.
1: Can you take us through a few of the ways that successful efforts in this transformation journey then result in business impact?
2: Yeah, I think you'd measure it in some of the normal KPIs that we use for finance. So, you know, not just how many days to close your books, which is a very traditional accounting KPI, right. but um, even in credit risk management, um, in number of days outstanding for accounts payable, accounts receivable.
0: Well, if you think about the direct and indirect, yes, uh, there's certainly typically some direct benefit in terms of just reduction of resource use. But I think better finance insight, better advice, it's the grease that keeps the wheels running better. It affects your ability to work better with your suppliers, to work better with your customers. And you can't nail all that directly in a one-to-one relationship with the finance transformation, but you can use KPIs and you can see at least the shadows of those indirect benefits if you're being diligent about where you think there is inefficiency in your current system and where by casting light on that and reducing friction, you are indeed uh, inspiring and directly enabling better performance.
2: Yeah, and I would add one more thing because this is a bit of a focus in the case of finance is risk and compliance is super important. Sure. And so sometimes you really do need to think about Cost avoidance because those are those can be major issues for finance.
1: So you had you had talked a little bit earlier, Bjornar, about how supply chain uh, can be challenged if you have sort of um, supply chain disruptions. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about how being at the point where you have digitized the finance function can help you be more responsive in those kinds of
0: disruptive uncertain scenarios. There are multiple levels to that. And this is one of those areas where having a clean finance-only answer is not really the right one. This is where the functions really come together and have to work together. But at a very basic level, just having a better view of how to deal with scenarios in the future, near future and and mid-term future in particular, creates better organizational agility, allows you to make better... I'd call them contingent decisions, mm-hmm. rather than put everything on kind of sh- short-term bets. You have a clearer view of the path ahead and and where, which scenarios to to bias towards. I think last year's experiences with the supply chain, with the energy crisis, is a great case in point of where having that consistent set of scenarios just allowed some actors to be much more resilient, and 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 through that reduce the friction loss, which uh, we saw that in a lot of, in particular, supply chains last year.
1: Another question that comes to mind is um, McKinsey's done a lot of research on the importance of resource reallocation and the fact that many companies base next year's budget some large percentage on what last year's was. How does having a digitized finance function help you be more agile and, and more thoughtful about where you're making your, your bold bets?
2: Well, I think this is kind of linked to the the point Björner just made a minute ago, but you wouldn't probably look at that just from a finance perspective, right? But having the visibility and transparency from a finance perspective, but also using HR information, being able to do analysis around that, thinking about how how you're performing relative to high-performing benchmarks, all plays into what role uh, I, I think the CFOs can play. Um, The other thing is, more and more, as we know, CFOs become candidates for CEOs. So I think the point around playing a broader role around enterprise transformation for CFOs is really important because... It's probably the best place to truly understand how the organization gets work done is to run one of these programs and oversee them and see the importance of the linkages between the functions because we always say the opportunities usually sit in the gaps mm-hmm. between the functions, which is also why we tend to look at things from an end-to-end process point of view to really try to understand where the where the value is that we want to target.
0: Bjornar, anything you'd add? Just that I think when you have faster, more consistent tools, it allows you to be the challenger more effectively in exactly the dialogue that Liz uh, referred to. And so we talk a lot about, we have talked a lot over the last decade about zero based budgeting as an example. As an exercise you do every five years, it's useful, but mildly useful. Having the mindset, the zero based mindset, always of challenging do we need that? What does it take to succeed here? Can we release funding, for instance, uh, can we measure results in tranches, make it a bit more uh, modularized? It just allows you to increase performance across the enterprise. So if
1: I'm a CFO listening to this podcast right now uh, and I want to start on the journey, where do you start? What are the first steps you take?
2: Well, I think it's super important to start with kind of what is your ambition? Sure. What is what does the organization need? What are you hearing are some of the barriers to doing, you know, to achieving the strategy that the company has as a whole? So really linking your ambition to the overall objectives of the company and then saying how do I what is the right way to structure this for our particular case?
0: Yeah, and there's some who are blessed or cursed with what I would call catalytic events. Uh, yes. Big M&A situations are an yes. opportunity to rethink, and there's a lot of that going on right now. Anything that has to do with just rethinking the overall enterprise model, the overall business model, leadership changes at, at multiple levels in the organization, those are the kind of catalytic situations that allow you to move faster, but also force you to actually do the thinking now. And back to the point we we discussed earlier, if you miss the window now, it may be a few years until it comes back to really have that impact and to do it in a way that doesn't exhaust the organization. Because one thing is for sure, any enterprise transformation is a major endurance endeavor for for the organization. Uh, A finance transformation, because it touches on everybody, not just the function itself, can be particularly stressful and uh, demand a lot of energy. So doing that in conjunction with other significant changes to your business is both an advantage but also a challenge. But certainly doing that once now, rethinking, linking it clearly to outcomes that you are aspiring to deliver as a an executive team and as a board, not just as an individual, will motivate your team, will motivate the rest of the organization to work together for to really rethink uh, how you add value. You mentioned M and A. What are some of the ways?
1: So, if I'm a CFO and I'm acquiring other businesses, and I've already moved through the, that transformation journey, but now I'm bringing on another organization with a completely separate ERP, and you know those can be both you know time intensive and also expensive. Are there any perspectives that you've got to share in terms of how one Say who is a programmatic acquirer, and you, you so your plan is to acquire a number of companies over time. How do you bring them into your digitized finance function?
2: Well, I think it would start with. How how do you want them to be integrated, right? Yes. yes. Um, uh, I guess two things on it. One is if you've just done a finance transformation, it's usually the best time and huge opportunity to really bring them in. If you truly want to integrate the businesses, some cases you don't want them to be fully integrated. So maybe you just sh- you know can can uh, integrate them on whatever they're using today into your f- finance function and let them continue to operate independently, but try to get granular data because then you can do some of the other kinds of analytics and analysis you want to do. So I guess it really has to align with the overall business strategy on the level of integration, but a huge opportunity, frankly.
0: Yeah, and and, and the best companies in in the spirit that you um, described use the finance transformation as an opportunity to prepare for better integration, smoother integration, and back to the point, it's not just about technology, it's not even principally about the technology, Uh, it's more about the ways of working, it's more about the role of finance, and how to bring a team with a different culture, with different established methods, efficiently as well as effectively into your organization. So
1: another question that often comes up is, any industries or regions that are
0: particularly advanced in
1: terms of approaching
0: this I, I think we as Europeans have yes. a bit of a challenge. Okay. I think the American um, enterprise are far ahead uh, on this journey, and I think it comes from both the more natural performance oriented culture in, in in North America and the pressures that they're under the pressure to be faster real time, more exhaustive in providing a view on the future, providing a, an accountability, a level of accountability around decisions that have been have taken place and, and are being made for the future. That pressure is not quite as prevalent across Europe. And I think you see it reflected also in the appetite to be truly bold in the finance function. And I think there we have some work to do over the next five to ten years in Europe. It's going to be a longer journey. Uh, and it's an essential one because we do see productivity in Europe being a few steps behind, North America in particular. It's not because of this, but you can hear the echoes.
2: I'll add a comment kind of from a different angle, and that is what we've seen over the last 15 years is organizations who have made in-source and outsource decisions on both ends of the spectrum, where they've built strong center of expertise teams internally and then have had a lot of cost to maintain. And then we've seen a huge amount of outsourcing, frankly, and many of those organizations are revisiting both of those decisions. What is the right in-source, outsource model for us? What does the future of having a digitally enabled finance and enterprise functions um, mean, and how do I want to do that? So I think there's some key decisions that business leaders have to make.
1: Awesome, so this was a really, really fun conversation. Very much appreciate you taking the time with us and with our clients at our CFO forum. Thank you.
2: That's brilliant. It was great for us as well. Thank you.
0: Really engaging conversation. I appreciate it.
1: And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. As always, if you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future episode, just email us at ITSR, for Inside the Strategy Room, at McKinsey.com. You can also share your ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast player And we'd like to thank everyone who's already done so. We really appreciate your comments and feedback. Please keep it coming. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to subscribe, all you need to do is follow our weekly series on your favorite podcast player. And that's where you can also access our entire library of previous episodes. We also offer an Inside the Strategy Room collection page at mckinsey.com slash ITSR, where you can easily search our prior podcasts across six major themes and also access written transcripts of those conversations. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest publications and insights, you can sign up on our Practice Insights page at mckinsey.com slash scf. That's for Strategy and Corporate Finance. Follow us on Twitter at mckstrategy or connect with us on LinkedIn at the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again next week inside the Strategy Room.